Hi, and welcome to The Word is Resistance, a podcast of showing up for racial justice. This podcast explores the weekly Christian lectionary from a lens of justice, anti-racism, and collective liberation. This is a podcast geared for white folks, white Christians, seeking to understand and do our part in working against white supremacy and white Christian supremacy that has been so harmful to others and has empowered us at others' expense. We do welcome all listeners, though, and particularly appreciate feedback from listeners of color and from other faith traditions. My name is Mother Claire Brown, and I'm recording with you from Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is Cherokee and Creek land, where I live and minister and write and raise little kids who are actually home from daycare this week because of COVID and might be a bit of noise in the background today. The music recording in this podcast is We Are Building Up a New World. This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the Freedom Movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado, December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful for the Freeney Harding family letting us use this song for this podcast. This week we are entering into year B of the Revised Common Lectionary with the stirring calls of the prophet Isaiah. Advent, the season of preparation and keeping watch that leads up to the birth of Jesus at Christmas. This time is the church's new year, and it's traditionally a time for taking stock of our lives and faith, repenting where we need to change or make things right, and practicing spiritual disciplines. It's a way of honoring the importance of Jesus's arrival in our midst, It's an event worth preparing for, an event that changes everything. It is one of the great feasts of our church, and the foundation of who we are is a community of people united by Jesus. And that is why The Word is Resistance will be focusing our podcast on Abolition Advent this month. While the word abolition pertains to specific justice movements, such as abolishing human trafficking, past and present, um, abolition of the prison industrial complex, abolition of capital punishment. Today, I'm meditating with its general sense of doing away with injustice in our world as I consider these texts. We move into the Advent season in the middle of so much struggle and sorrow, but we know that we are in very good company with the prophet Isaiah and with Jesus himself as we call for God's intervention and justice. A few years ago, my family was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was copy editing for a Christian publishing company and working on seminary studies. I dropped off my older son at his parents' day out and set up to work from home on the patio outside the apartment. And then suddenly, in the middle of the August morning, the sky grew dark and cicadas and frogs came out and started to sing. I could hear roosters frantically crowing from the little homestead around the block over and over. And from the park nearby, I heard people screaming. And then the sun went black. Yeah, it was the eclipse day. And we were in a full totality. And it was one of the creepiest and simultaneously sacred and wonderful experiences that I've ever had. Did you see it? Did it make chill bumps rise on your arms too? That's the image that came to my mind 
with these opening words from Isaiah and from Mark as Jesus looks ahead to his second coming. And then the prophet, of course, calls for God to tear open the heavens. Isaiah is one of the most well-loved collections of scripture in the Bible. It's expansive and complex, and it has so many dramatic images, like the ones we read today. It's the longest of the biblical prophetic writings and most frequently quoted Hebrew Bible text in the New Testament. The prophetic writing spans Judea's history from late 8th century to 6th century BCE. Yes, about 200 years. And it wasn't written by just one person, but comprised of writings by Isaiah, but then others who inherited his tradition and wrote in his name. So we see this combined authorship, which is a really common practice in ancient writing. And in fact, that practice of multiple authors really might grow our sense of wonder that such a beautiful collaborative piece of wisdom has arrived to us. It's never just one voice speaking truth. The unifying theme of the book is geopolitical and theological questions about the relationship of God and God's people. As the writing was going through political turmoil, the Assyrian, Babylonian, and Persian control of Judea. It is asking giant, timeless questions about God and identity, hope and doubt, good and evil, how to be faithful and discerning in impossible times. And it weaves together poetic language and these wild images to express these questions, these theology, all charting a spiritual and political journey through oppression and harm back to a homeland where the people might find that flourishing is possible. So let's look at some of these verses. I'll just read them all and then we'll chat about them. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you are angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, you are our potter, we are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. These are some powerful words, powerful poetry. Rip the sky wide open, God. Tear apart heaven and earth for us. Shake up everything that we think we know. Make your presence so powerful and so obvious that no one can miss it. 
but in a year that we have already been trembling. I mean, we started this year with a threat of war and then struggled through months of pandemic and fires, hurricanes, hunger, fear, political uncertainty. In the year of our Lord 2020, we might have some days that we're a little nervous about these prophetic words. This is certainly a time when we might have wondered if God was angry. Why on earth would we ask for more? How much more can we handle? I don't know about you, but I could really use some precedented times. I could use some boring. Or maybe not. Maybe today you find yourself in a time where we're right there with Isaiah, practically screaming for God to save us because the suffering, as Mark's gospel said, is here. The sky is already dark. I think about the clouds of black and orange smoke that were hovering across the country as the West burned this fall, a horrifying sign of our harm against the earth. Or I think about crowds of people protesting police brutality, blocking out not the sun, but traffic, an ordinary life and the status quo way of carrying on with our lives. Big injustice calls for big signs and big anger. This is too much. We can't stand another minute. We need you now. We need you now, God. Please. A gift from this passage. Of all the multiple authors who wrote it and the conflicting perspectives within it is that tension. Are we wanting God's forgiveness or God's anger? Do we want power or gentleness? What kind of peace do we need? Wherever you are, the passage concludes, we are all God's people. There will be different feelings and perspectives on God's judgment and God's flourishing and God's healing within our communities, and we might hold those conflicts within ourselves too. Things are far from resolved for Isaiah or for us. We've always been living in the tension and struggle and hope of waiting for the Son of Man to come with great power and glory. We have seen Jesus come at Bethlehem, and we've seen him in our homes and our churches and through children and through suffering, through service. And yet we still suffer and struggle and wait and watch for God's kingdom to be fully known. God's love to be present everywhere. This week I was moved by theologian Debbie Thomas's lectionary reflection on the site Journey with Jesus, where she wrote that God's showing up in all this drama of Isaiah's pleading and the desperation of human suffering, that the way God comes, she says, is, quote, so unexpected and so small. I'm tempted to either laugh or cry at the thought of him. The world is falling apart. My heart is exhausted. People are dying. And God chooses to send me a baby? I love the way she puts that. It is just so unreasonable, maybe inefficient. And yet that is the story that has so engaged our imaginations and resonated with our hearts and and our best instincts of what love is, that here we are 
making and listening to a Bible podcast. <laughs> Jesus is just so small and ordinary. And maybe that's a gift too, in the work of abolition in particular. A gift to that holy work is that we can just do the next small thing and that we can work towards the gorgeous, unreasonable inefficiency of dreaming a new world together, a world with less harm and hate. This week, as we move into the Christian New Year, see if you can take some time to sit with these strange visions, this hard call for God to come, be with us and help us. Perhaps it's a good time to meditate on the smallness and inefficiency of the Incarnation as we understand it, to invite the Holy Spirit to help you identify just what your next small, faithful act of abolition might be. Please do be sure and come back next week to hear Nicola's reflections. And thank you for being part of this community. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org. Our podcast lives on SoundCloud. Just search The Word is Resistance. Give us a like or rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which includes references and resources and links. And finally, a big thanks to our sound editor, Maxwell Pearl. Friends, take care. Keep watch where God is at work among us and stay hopeful. <laughs>